Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. Again, we are the same podcast with the same vision, but we've got a new name. Very simply put, we want you to stay forth in the leadership, in the calling, in the uniqueness that you have, and in the spaces that you serve and you lead, and we want you to grow as a leader. We don't believe that you have to go somewhere else to be able to learn the lesson that you can learn right where you're at. We are going to continue to engage leaders on hard topics. That's one of the things that we love. We love asking good questions on hard topics. And one of those is race. We're going to talk about race today with a new friend of mine. His name is Jimmy Rollins, speaker, author, pastor, coach, does a lot of marriage work with his wife, Irene. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. Before we do, we're going to bring up some coaching questions once in a while. This is kind of a new segment we're going to throw in the podcast here once in a while. We want you to pause and think about a question. And so um, I'm going to just throw this question out to you. Who do you need to learn from right now? Who do you need to learn from right now? We believe that not all leaders are readers, but all leaders must be learners. We're constantly taking in information from those that we coach here at Stay Forth, whether it's reading, physical books, whether it's listening to Audible, taking in information through podcasts, but we believe that applying that is actually where the transformation comes from. And so you need to learn from somebody right now. But this is a learning conversation where I'm curious about Jimmy's story. I'm curious in how I can learn from him um, as a leader, just as a human right now in a racially divided culture, especially over the last few years. But this is a key conversation. We're going to keep coming back to race. And it's one, especially if you're a church leader, we want you to listen up because we believe that this is something we're not just going to talk about when there's a next racial division. We need to talk about it now. We need to talk about it next week. We need to continue to have what he talks about as family conversations about this. In the family of God, we need to sit down at the metaphorical table and talk about these hard topics like race. Love this conversation with Jimmy. He's a kindred spirit in many ways. Again, thought leader, author, uh, coach, really a catalyst for leaders and a huge heart for marriage. He shares some of the heartbreak from his past, some hard conversations, but I believe this will lead us to a good spot of impact and even maturity in our life and leadership. So enjoy my conversation with my new friend, Jimmy Rollins. Jimmy, welcome to the podcast. Alan, so good to be with you. Uh, so good to be uh, on with your listeners, man. I'm, I'm, I'm humbled and honored. I'm excited. Congrats. Uh, your new book, baby, man. It's out in the world. Love outside the lines. Uh, man, what'd you learn about yourself in the writing process? Uh, I learned that I can't spell. Um, I learned <laughs> that my grammar is awful. Thank God learned, for editors, though, right? And my wife. Come on, <laughs> right? Absolutely. And uh, I actually learned that I enjoy. I would. I, I had no idea I would enjoy this process. So it, it's been. It's been fun. It's been brutal, like beautiful and brutal all yep. of it at yep. once. Absolutely, love that man. Uh, you do a lot of things. So if we're going to go around the table and everybody's introducing them, themselves, you're not allowed yeah. to. Uh, how would you want me to introduce you? Uh, I'd say uh, Jimmy is a guy who wears his heart on his shoulder, uh, transparent, uh, vulnerable, kind of what I've, you know, I spent 
so many years hiding and so many years, you know, uh, trying to be someone I'm not. I'm just, you, you know, I'm I'm a kind of guy. Take it as you leave it. You know, I mean, this is it. This is me. Um, and uh, um, just love God's church, love God's people, love church leaders. Want to see leaders be healthy. And um, any way that I can do, uh, really come alongside pastors and leaders to do that. That's who I am. Love it. All right, man. Well, obviously, we're talking about race, and uh, we're going to go straight at it today. But I want to hear about your story. Share a pivotal moment where you realized just what a big deal race was. I think I was in Bible college. I was in Bible college. Uh, I was uh, 20, 19, 20 years old. I was sitting in chapel at a missions chapel. Uh, I was one of 15 uh, African-Americans and about a thousand students and my roommates um, were all Caucasian. They were all white. My best friend, Jake Peach, was white. And uh, we were sitting in chapel. Uh, I didn't go to chapel much. And this missions guy began to tell this racially insensitive joke. And inside of the joke in chapel, thousand students, uh, he used the most inappropriate racial slur that he could use. And uh, people begin to joke and laugh and kind of like he was telling this joke. And I realized at that moment, like, yes, I was young. I was angry. I was upset. Um, but I couldn't believe that this was this place that was teaching, you know, and preparing leaders for church ministry that uh, this kind of thing could happen. Uh, and I had no idea it was pivotal that God would use that misery and that pain and that instant, that instantly separated friends. I got up and I walked out as a pivotal point of my purpose and my ministry. And I like to say like, God used that misery uh, for a great ministry. And since that day, I honestly felt called to be a bridge builder to help the church through not allowing anyone to feel that ostracized, outcast or overlooked. Mm, wow. Other side of the coin. Now take us to a time when you experienced the beauty of diversity. In God's church? Uh, I was, that's for great, great question. I was in Tampa. I was preaching at a church, uh, a bunch of services, big, huge church. And uh, it was, I preached a, a message on diversity in that morning at the eight o'clock and the one o'clock, I think it was a one o'clock service. Uh, I was preaching it again. And, and the, we did it like an altar call, old school, come on, old school altar call. Mm -hmm. uh, and a couple, a white couple walked up and, uh, Man, they were crying. I just felt like led to pray for them. I was praying for them. And after the service, they began to share this division uh, with their daughter who had decided to date outside of their race and how that divided their family. Uh, and in that moment, they called their daughter. The daughter came in just reconciliation, uh, wow. beautiful reconciliation of family, of biological family. Uh, and it really wasn't a testament to the spiritual family that was surrounded and in the room. So probably one of the most beautiful moments in my ministry. Uh, and it, it happened, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago. Amazing mm -hmm. moment. Wow. You talk about family conversations around racism, division, microaggressions, all of it. Walk us yeah. through how a healthy family conversation would go down. Well, I think the healthy family conversation, it has to start at the acknowledgement uh, that our differences aren't separating us because spiritual family trumps biological family, mm -hmm. right? And so if, if I don't see you as my brother, if you don't see me as, you know, your brother, if you, you know, whether our skin color is the same, our, our political views are the same, if we can't sit down first and say, there is no division at the end of this conversation, even though we have differences, 
You know, divorce is not an option. As spiritual family, there really isn't a point to have a conversation. Because if like when we're family, what we're saying is, is we're going to be unoffendable. What we're saying is when we're family is, is that, you know, the goal is not uniformity. The goal is unity and unity accepts and embraces difference. Right. And the goal is not for you to think, you know, uh, let's not think alike. The goal would be to think together. So the first thought would be, you know, let's set some ground rules. We're spiritual family. Here's the second ground rule. We're going to listen to respond and experience and empathize, not listen to criticize, right? And so I'm gonna take on this mindset that as you are sharing your experience, I'm sharing my experience, shared experience is not an indictment on each other's character. It's not an indictment on each other's heart. And just because your face may be the same color face as someone that I am sharing an experience from, right? That it's not you who did the thing or the injustice or made me feel a certain way. You are family. And the fact that your face may represent that face, it actually should bring healing and not hurt. Mm -hmm. So those are two like very practical, uh, you know, you know, beginnings, if you will, to sitting down and having a hard conversation. I think that a third thing uh, would be just the acknowledgement that our goal is not to think alike. It's a thing together. At the end of this conversation, you see what I've, my, me sharing is not to change you. And I'll tell you this, the body of Christ doesn't do a good job at this because we would rather people know what we're against rather than what we're for. And what's that and, all about? Where does that, I agree. I, and where does that come from? It comes, I, I think it comes from pride. If, if I'm honest with you, I think it comes from, you know, this, this right to be right. I think it comes from our interpretation of what scriptures we get to pick and choose and which version of the gospels we get to read and not understanding that this mandate of, of Acts 1-8, there is an uttermost. You know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria is great, but there is an uttermost, which is beyond our comfort zone. And I think that this, we all want to be comfortable naturally. We're taught as children that when we color, stay inside the lines, you know, and that, that has, has been th this mindset. It's allowed this ideology that like, if you are outside of my line, like my color line, my preference line, my voting line, then, you know, we start saying that different is better, not different is just different. Hmm. And you said, you said unoffendable. Uh, I was talking with someone recently and the reality is we should be unoffendable. I agree with you. Yeah. And yet we are so freaking offendable as yeah. followers of Jesus. Um, and that grieves me because this it is does. the place we should be having these, these family conversations. Um, take the family conversation a little bit deeper. So you start with the ground yeah. rules. Um, what would be a great starting place once the ground rules are set for that family conversation? I think a great uh, starting is just to, you know, whenever is appreciation, like sharing appreciations, like what I appreciate about your culture, what I appreciate about you as a person, what I appreciate you as a friend in sales growing up, it's called reconfirming commitments. Like what have we already decided that is amazing about one another? And as we share those appreciations, now let's first own our own bias. Hey, this is really hard. 
Because if I'm honest, I've always thought this way. This is really hard because I don't really understand a lot. And so as you begin to share, can you, can you help? And then a vulnerable request. Can you help educate me on this? And what we're saying is, is I'm going to sit in the seat of learning. I'm going to sit in the seat of listening. I'm going to sit in the seat of leaning in. Come on, that was three points to your next sermon. You know, and, and, and as I do that, now I've owned my own divide. I've owned my, what I bring to the table that could potentially push us apart or separate us. And now I can share. I've always thought this. And then I ask this question. I start to get curious. Tell me about that. Mm, and now good. I'm inviting, I'm inviting difference. I'm inviting experience, right? And what I'm doing is I'm also training my heart to empathize, training my heart to have compassion because we've already set the ground rules. We've already said, these are my experiences. And now there's an opportunity for proximity that we never had before, even as friends. Now we can say, oh, you let me close to an issue that you've never let me close to before. Yep. Relationally, man, I, I love rules. And as a coach, we set ground rules before we start that first session, because if we're going to have psychological safety, we get, we have to have rules. That's it. Uh, and the second thing that I love is actually phrases, especially when we get nervous, we get in there, we don't want to screw it up. We don't want to yeah. say something wrong before a good family conversation is broken out. And I love that. Um, and one of those phrases is that, can you tell me more? That's it. Uh, on that, that you that you caught. Are there some other helpful catchphrases in these kind of conversations as they get charged yeah. and emotional? And we don't want to offend. Well, I think if we just pre-qualify or you know pre-state what this could potentially do, like if it's damaging, if this, if this could be mm -hmm. damaging, you would say, "Hey, listen, this is going to be hard for me to share because in the past, this is the statement that has offended people." Mm -hmm. But what I would love for you to do, I'm going to roll the dice. What I would love for you to do is to help me through why. Because I want to get better. And all we're doing is really relating to the statement that the goal in what I'm about to share is not to indict. The goal about what, you know, with what I'm about to share is not to stereotype. Uh, it's not to pigeonhole. Uh, it's not to judge. I really want feedback. And I think that that is the key is that like, tell me more, that statement, tell me more. It's called getting curious. Hey, hey, I'm curious about some things. Yeah. And so, and then when someone is sharing, rather than listening to respond, you're listening to understand. You're yep. saying things and statements like interesting. Wow, I never thought about that. And what you're doing is, is you're, you're creating a safe space to share hard things. Mm. This will work yeah. in marriage too. We're giving y'all free marriage counseling right now. Love it. This <laughs> will travel friends. No, I love, I love that. You're like, here's my fear. And then here's my hope. Absolutely. Here's my fear. Here's my hope. Dr. Kurt Thompson says the opposite of anxiety isn't or anxious, isn't calm. It's curious. That's great. Right. And let's get curious here. Love that, man. We could talk for hours on it. We probably shouldn't. Uh, right. Unity. All right. There's there's the word that's been uh, overused and misused and all of it. 
Uh, you talk about true unity around race, but before we go there, what's false unity around race? I think false unity around race is uniformity. I think false, false, uh, you know, a false definition of that word is, uh, is the inability to accept difference, right? Like the word unity exists because diversity and difference exists. There would be no need for the word unity unless there were differences. Mm. Right. And, and I think when we, when we think about unity, we think about same. No, unity is differences coming around together, uh, being, 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 uh, em- embracing one thought of family. So unity in scripture is kingdom. Right. But kingdom exists because cultures exist. Right. And so when we accept and embrace different cultures, then we can be unified around one king, which is Jesus Christ. And I I like to say it this way, like diversity is the first down. Unity is the touchdown. That's good. You cannot get have a touchdown without first getting first down. And so, you know, diversity is, Hey, Alan, we're different. Hey, Alan, I have hair. You don't right. Like, like, right. Like, Hey, hey, Alan, I'm black. You're white. Like, guess what? We're different and it's beautiful. And I think that the beauty of diversity should not hinder the great commission. It should help us fulfill it. That's good. Um, all right, man, true unity. When you walk into a room, Yes. How can you smell that there's true unity there? Well, I think scripturally, we go to Psalms 133. How good and pleasant it is, brethren, dwell together to unity and priests and all that. Beard, oil. Well, the unity produces something. It produces the anointing, right? Which is the grace, the favor to command a blessing, right? And so unity produces an environment and a culture that is supposed to inspire togetherness. It's supposed to inspire God's favor and God's grace, which now there can be an acceptance, right? When you think about kingdom, kingdom is when the king, when the kingdom of heaven invades earth. And I don't want to get too deep here, but what we're saying is, is that The Great Commission, the body of Christ is expanded, so everyone should feel like family, which happened in Acts 2. When they were all together in one place, the languages were no longer confused that were confused at Babel. And so when unity is there, I'll I'll say it, Baltimore, everybody should feel accepted and valued and desired and wanted and important. Mm. So good. Hey, let's talk about marriage. I know it's a big piece of what you and Irene do. Come on. What started that? What are the origins of that? A bad marriage. Oh, okay. <laughs> let's go. Bro, I've been married for 23 years, and it's been about the best six years ever. <laughs> six and a half. And I was pastoring uh, to the world, successful, as the world would say, successful, traveling all around the world, preaching, and could preach to thousands, couldn't talk to the one I laid next to every night could build a great kids ministry at at, at church, but had a terrible relationship with my own children. 
And it got to the point where it, I ended up 420 pounds. My wife ended up addicted to alcohol and rehab as pastors, taking a year off for sabbatical, turned into a year, almost two years, a year and a half. And we decided that enough was enough and it was time to work on it. And what I uh, uh, found through that is there's no greater teacher than pain, but maybe there is somebody else's. And so what Irene and I have committed to is allowing our pain to help people find greater purpose and greater passion uh, and build marriages. And we like to say it is of love, laughter, and longevity as leaders. Our hearts are so close on that. And I love that you're in the marriage space, obviously your own pain, hard fought there, um, man, love the work you do. Appreciate the work you do there. Uh, in marriages. And it's a different thing to be leading publicly and yeah. obviously to be married privately. Um, that's no joke, man. So keep it up. Thanks, so, man. so important. We'll make sure that people can connect with you and, and kind of hear more of what's going on. If you had a bumper sticker that you could slap, you only get one bumper sticker, Jimmy, you could slap it on the walls of every church in America. What would it say? It would say, live beyond yourself. Love beyond your preferences. Laugh beyond your struggles. Love it. Live when did you come yourself. up with that? Years ago, that was the mission of our church. Those, those were the core values of our church because they were the core values of me. I am trying every day. And I said trying. It's not hard. To live beyond myself. To love beyond what I prefer. And to laugh beyond struggles that I have daily. And I think as leaders, if we adopted those three mindsets and every or those three cultural values in every area of our lives, we would ask ourselves a lot of questions. Is this about me? Is this causing me to love people more or better? And is it really that serious? Beautiful. And I think as leaders, those are questions that we should be asking ourselves all the time. Beautiful. If you had a dream Amazon review from this book, man, you have invested that hundreds, maybe question. thousands of hours. What's, what's the dream Amazon review somebody could write for you? Wow. You, first of all, your questions are amazing because no one's ever asked me that. Um, So I'm going to make this into an old hymn, right? I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace. This book, this message has opened my eyes to things that I refused to see for years. This topic has not been important to me other than when there was an issue that arose in our country. I now have found passion to champion the message of diversity and unity, to expand God's kingdom in my everyday life and even in my ministry. I pray that you roll the dice 
and check this book out because Jimmy's words don't change and didn't change my heart. The Holy Spirit did. Beautiful. And may it be so. And I know you're the labor that's gone into this many years of synthesizing things. And I don't think we celebrate that enough. Uh, wow. I mean, it, the book writing process is no joke. And now real. it goes out to the world. Um, and friends, I encourage you not just to share this episode, um, but to share the book, to read through the book together, to have conversation, use it as a starting spot. Sometimes it's easier to start with Jimmy's words and blame it on him than it is right. to say, hey, I've wanted to talk about this for a while. So use this book to triangulate in the best of ways and get to that spot of unity. I know that's your heart behind it. Um, Jimmy, where can folks go to find out about you and Irene's ministry, your coaching, all the things that you do? Absolutely. Well, first for the book, go to IamJimmyRollins.com or Love Outside the Lines, the book, uh, but I am Jimmy Rollins.com and it's sold. It's, it's where everywhere where books are sold, which I can't believe it. Right. Uh, cause I can't barely even spell. Uh, but then you can go to two equals one.com. Uh, you spell that out, uh, two equals one.com to find out about our nice coaching, uh, and all that we're doing, uh, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff, but ultimately follow Jesus. We want <laughs> you to follow Jesus. There it is. Beautiful. Hey, last question for you. What's one hope or prayer that you've got right now? Um, can I give you, can I give you two? We'll, we'll take two. We'll take a bonus. All right. uh, the first one is that I break uh, 80 consistently in golf. Okay. That, that, that's there it is. I, I All right. Golf. You're on my list. You're uh, on my prayer list. Right. Absolutely. The, the serious one uh, is, is that I am known more for what I give away than what I keep. That's what I've been praying every day. And Love I think it. leaders, I got jacked up because I didn't pray that prayer years ago. Love it. Beautiful. And pray for me. Beautiful. And I love that, man. Keep giving it away, Jimmy. Appreciate you. Appreciate what you do and all the leaders that you're serving. Keep it up, my man. Thanks, Alan. Love you. Appreciate you, man. So long.